Hey there, I'm Kristen Carr, women's minister here at Johnson Ferry, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to the JF Women Bible Study Podcast. I'm so glad you're taking time to tune in. It may just be the best decision of your week. Our goal with online Bible study is to help you find time to be in the Word amidst your busy schedules and full lives. I'm praying these next few minutes will be life-giving, encouraging, and challenging as your Bible study leader walks you through a fresh week of unpacking truth from God's Word. As she digs into your study today, she'll provide resources and suggest a little homework to help you get the most out of this online Bible study experience. So, ladies, are you ready? Grab your Bible and let's get started. Hello, welcome to Truth Plus Grace. My name is Tiffany Grayson, and this is Chapter 8, With God. Deuteronomy 13.4 says, You shall follow the Lord your God and fear Him, and you shall keep His commandments, listen to His voice, serve Him, and cling to Him. As we've discussed in previous chapters, there's so much uncertainty, anxiety, depression, and suffering in today's world. It can be so hard to stay focused on God and to cling to Him, not just in our time of need, but all the time. In marriage, most vows include a for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, to death to us part type statement. Do we have that same mentality when it comes to our relationship with God? Marriage is a union between two people, designed to create an inseparable bond between the two. Do you view your relationship with God the same way? Are you inseparable? The verse I just read comes from Deuteronomy, and if you're following along with notes, here comes your first fill-in-the-blank. It's it's from Deuteronomy, known as the Book of Laws. Book of Laws, that's your first fill-in-the-blank, or Book of Words. Isn't that interesting, the Book of Words? The book itself is a record of Moses' explanation of all the laws, laws is a fill-in-the-blank, and mandates passed down to the Israelites, to the Israelites. What sticks out to me in chapter 13, verse 4, is the clarity of this directive. And I've got a spot here where you can fill in some notes at your discretion. First of all, the first mandate is follow the Lord your God. Well, that's pretty clear, right? Apparently, however, this directive is tougher than it sounds because we are told to, quote, follow him over and over again. In fact, it's the main theme of the entire Bible. Secondly, we read fear him. In this case, the word fear does not mean to be scared. The word fear relates more to having reverence or an awe towards God. It's about showing respect to Him while having a healthy fear of offending Him. Thirdly, it says keep His commandments. Well, that too seems pretty clear. No one commandment is more important than another. They're all meant to be completely obeyed. Then we hear, listen to His voice. Oh, that's a good one. It's a favorite, in fact, and we're going to come back to that one. Then we hear, serve Him. Well, that one also seems clear, but many seem to interpret it differently. Serving him starts with telling others about him and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. All the other stuff we do should be directly related to the process of reaching and discipling people for Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. Then we hear, cling to him. Well, that's my favorite part of this verse. It paints a visual image, doesn't it? Cling to him. 
Oh, how we want to cling to him. To further discuss this topic, let's turn back to the Old Testament. In fact, let's turn way back to the book of Genesis. And as a reminder, I will be reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. You're welcome to follow along in your Bible or just sit back and listen as I read. Today, we'll be reading from Genesis 5, starting with verse 21 through verses 24. Genesis 5, verse 21 through 24, and it says, And Enoch lived sixty-five years, and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God three hundred years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all of the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty-five years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Oh, I love the story of Enoch. It's short, it's sweet, and it's so powerful. Let's dig in. First of all, you might have noticed that there isn't a lot of information about Enoch. We're told three important things, and I've got a spot for you to fill in the blanks here, friend. Three important things. Number one, he lived a long time. He lived a long time. Number two, he walked with God. He walked with God. And number three, God took him. God took him. Let's talk about those three things. First, as I mentioned, he lived a long time, as in 365 years. These are literal years, friend. Before the flood, scholars believed that the earth was under a canopy of water. As such, many of the ultraviolet rays of the sun were filtered out, providing a much more healthy environment for people to live in. Thus, they lived longer lives. Enoch was part of the seventh generation of mankind, as told in Jude 14. In fact, he was seven generations from Adam, and he was from the family line of Seth, who was Adam and Eve's third son. Enoch's father, his name was Jared, lived 962 years. Can you believe that? And 800 of those years were after Enoch's birth. Just for a moment, can you imagine having 800 years with your parent? What a blessing that would be. Enoch himself lived 365 years, including 300 years after Methuselah was born. You might recognize that name, Methuselah. He was the longest living man ever recorded. He died at the age of 969 years old. Whew. But I think we can all agree that the 365 years of Enoch's life was still a long, long life to live. Okay, moving on to our second point. And our second point is that Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And what exactly does that mean? Well, we have some fill in the blanks for you, friend. In this case, a walk is defined as a step-by-step experience. Write that down, friend, a step-by-step experience. It is a daily, and daily is a fill in the blank, daily, continuous, consistent, and intimate relationship with God. I'm going to repeat it. It's a daily, continuous, consistent, and intimate relationship with God. If you look up the word walk in the dictionary, here's what you'll find. It's both a verb and a noun, and I've also given a spot for you to put some synonyms. And you might just listen as I read these definitions and then write down the thoughts that make you remember what we're talking about today. Walk as a verb is defined as to move at a regular and fairly slow pace by lifting and setting down each foot in turn, never having both feet on the ground at once. Interesting, to walk. Okay, walk is a noun, an act of traveling or an excursion on foot, an unhurried rate of movement. That's interesting also. The synonyms for walk, and there's a long list. Some of these are my favorites. So write down the ones that stick out to you. Synonyms are words that are like the word walk. To stroll, saunter, amble, trudge, plod, dwaddle, 
I love that one. Trapes, hike, tramp, tromp, slog, stomp, trek, march, stride, roam, sashay, that's another favorite, glide, troop, patrol, wander, ramble, tread, prowl, promenade. Long list, friend, isn't that right? Okay, so I think we've got an understanding of what walk means. Genesis 5 points out that Enoch walked with God, and that's your next fill in the blank. Enoch walked with God. This is truly an exceptional kind of relationship. The word with is defined as being accompanied by, meaning another person or thing, possessing something as in a feature or an accompaniment, and it is synonymous with being accompanied by, escorted by, or in the company of, in the company of. Well, isn't that interesting? Enoch walked with God. When we're walking with God, and that's a fill in the blank, when we are walking with God, we are experiencing a side-by-side, step-by-step relationship in alignment or agreement with him. I'm going to repeat it, and it's got a lot of fill-in-the-blanks in this one. When we are walking with God, we are experiencing a side-by-side, step-by-step relationship in alignment, in alignment or agreement, agreement with him. Well, that sounds simple enough, but is it? How would you, friend, describe your walk with God? Can you honestly say that you spend more time beside him than wandering off or even falling behind him? Do you feel like you're always trying to catch up? I think we've all been there. Think about another person who walked with God. And here's another fill in the blank for you. Another person who walked with God, Adam. Adam. And I put a reference there for you. It's Genesis 3, 8. And it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You remember this story. We talked about it in a previous chapter. But before the fall, Adam had a daily walk with God every single evening. Yet after they sinned, God still desired to walk daily with Adam. But Adam was ashamed, and he hid from God. So let me ask you this, friend. Are we more like Adam or Enoch? Do we struggle to walk daily with God? Studying God's word? Do we forget to talk to God, to pray to him? Enoch is a role model because he walked with God consistently. And as I mentioned in chapter 1, we'll never reach spiritual perfection. In fact, spiritual consistency does not get any easier as you or your faith gets older or you have more years behind you. But Enoch, yes, Enoch, he lived 365 years, and yet he still managed to have a step-by-step, day-by-day relationship with God for all those years. Oh, If we're being honest, friend, how many of us struggle to put together a spiritual streak? To seek God, to walk with him, to pray with him, to read his word on a daily basis? I mean, what is your longest streak? I will challenge you. What is your longest streak? Is it a few hours, a few days, a few months, even a few years? Well, Tiffany, you might be saying, Enoch, you know... He wasn't faced with the same challenges that we're facing today. This isn't a fair, you know, fight, so to speak, a fair comparison. Um, His path was clear, you might be saying. His road was uncluttered. It was probably easier for him. I mean, maybe he didn't have time or maybe he didn't have to keep up. Excuse me. He didn't have to keep up with so many things that we have a lot to keep up with today. I know that. But is it that, friend? I mean... 
Do we think that we have better excuses today than Enoch did in his day? Do you think it was easier for Enoch to walk with God? I mean, sure. Okay, I'll give it to you. We have more modern distractions, things like social media, Hollywood's influence, the busy schedules that we keep. But on the flip side, let me just point out, Enoch probably did not have a weekly Bible study that he could attend or that he could listen to. He could not stream church online every week or even attend in person. There there was no church. He probably wasn't a part of a small group or a prayer chain, right? Or a Sunday school class. He probably did not even have an accountability partner. Oh, and let me remind you that Enoch did not have a Bible. Think of that, friend. I mean, we're early in Genesis. He walked with God for over 300 years, and he did not even have all the rich history and biblical examples that we have today. He was born long before Noah, Moses, David, and of course, Jesus. Was it easier for him? Walking with God daily wasn't easy. That's your fill in the blank. Walking with God daily wasn't easy. Enoch just made it a priority. He made it a priority. He walked with God out of obedience. Out of obedience. What exactly is our excuse? Now, our third point about the life of Enoch is that God took him. And that's a fill in the blank. God took him, meaning he did not experience death here on earth. And Hebrews 11.5, I put this in your notes, says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Friend, in other words, Enoch was taken to heaven alive by God. In fact, Elijah, too, was the same, taken alive, as noted in Second Kings 2. This is kind of an amazing thought. He was taken alive to heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, Then we who are alive shall remain, excuse me, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, although this verse is specifically referencing the second coming of Jesus Christ, it certainly paints a little picture of what Enoch himself may have, have experienced. He did not experience death. In my little finite mind, I imagine him walking towards the sunset and into the clouds. And you know who's walking beside him, step by step, side by side? Yep, you probably guessed it. God, side by side with God. Truly amazing. Am I right? Walking with God doesn't get easier with age. Enoch would likely tell you that too. Walking with God was a choice. It was Enoch's choice, his choice. Now, I am not saying that Enoch was perfect. He was not perfect. He was still a sinner, just like you and me. In fact, the Bible doesn't even refer to him as righteous. I mean, God did refer to Abel before him as righteous, but not Enoch. He is not referred to as righteous. Enoch was a human. He made mistakes, just like you and me. But even though he made mistakes, he differed from Adam because he still chose to walk with God. 
in spite of his sin, in spite of his brokenness, in spite of his shortfalls, in spite of his failures, no matter what the circumstance, Enoch chose to turn to God. He chose to walk with him. And because Enoch chose to walk with God, he was found pleasing to God. In other words, Enoch's faith in God was pleasing to him. Hebrews eleven six, and I put this in your notes. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, him being God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Oh man, those words, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Ooh, those are powerful words. What do you think they mean? Well, it means that we must place our trust in who God is. That's a fill in the blank. Follow along with me, friend. It means we must place our trust in who God is, who God is, even when we don't understand what he is doing. Even when we don't understand what he is doing, it means having hope in him. It means having hope in him. These are fill in the blanks, even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm going to read it one last time because I want it to sink in, friend. We must place our trust in who God is, even when we don't understand what he is doing. It means having hope in him, even in the most difficult of circumstances, meaning in a pandemic, even in the midst of illness, of family issues, relationship challenges, political unrest, or social dysfunction, even in the midst of our anxiety, our brokenness, our failures, and our uncertainty. Even then. Have you ever heard the idea that God is doing 10,000 things in your life right now, but you might only be aware of one or two? Well, it's true. God is working in your life right now, whether you're aware of it or not. Now, with a lifespan of 365 years and only a few short verses of detail, there's clearly so much that we do not know about Enoch. Jude 14 and 15 tells us a few remaining bits. And isn't it interesting that this is all the way, Jude, it's all the way toward the end of the Bible, right before Revelation. In Jude 14 and 15, I put this in your notes. It says, and also the uh, and about these also, Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which godly sinners have spoken against him. Oh, wow. Okay, based on these verses, scholars believe that Enoch was probably a preacher and a prophet. And surely in his 300 plus years of walking side by side with God, he found out many enlightening things. In these verses, Enoch declared the second coming of Christ, thousands of years prior to Jesus' first coming, prior to the birth on earth. Isn't that amazing? Spoken all those years ago, seven generations after Adam, but before Adam, um, Abraham, before Noah, before David, before Jesus was even born, he is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, friend, that verse still has meaning today. Now, Enoch had no pedigree. He didn't have a fancy title. He, We don't read of a lot of tangible achievements, etc. But what we know about him is the most important thing to know about him. He walked so closely with God that he never saw death. 
Imagine that for a moment, friend. What would it be like to have that kind of relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father? Over his lifespan of 365 years, Enoch certainly faced tough times. It may have looked a little different than our time, but he still faced difficulties and challenges. He was human. He was living during tough times. He probably, friend, felt anxious or depressed from time to time, just as we discussed in chapters one and two of this study. And at some point, he probably had to move past his own sin. I mean, we know that he did, and he had to move past his own self-righteousness. He likely at some point had to repent for his attitude and his actions when he got off track, similar to what we discussed in chapters three and four of this study. At some point, Enoch likely suffered greatly, And he had to seek restoration from his brokenness, just as we discussed in chapter 5. And we know for certain that he sought refuge in God, making God his, quote, person. Right? God was his person, as we discussed in chapter 6. And in my mind, Enoch approached God with confidence, based on his side-by-side walk with God, receiving mercy and grace in his times of need, just as we discussed in chapter 7 of this study. Friend, life is tough. We know it. We live it. We breathe it. We feel it every day. How then do we have a relationship with God like Enoch? How do we hear God's voice in the midst of all the noise and all the clutter of today's world? Generally speaking, you will not hear God's voice over a loudspeaker telling you which way to go. And you'll probably never see any messages written in Sharpie on the wall, giving you direction whenever you ask. However, God does speak to you on a regular basis. You only need to know where to look and listen. Number one, and this is a fill in the blank, God speaks through scripture. And we've talked through these before, friend, but these are, these are good reminders for us. God speaks through scripture. Have you ever read a familiar passage in scripture and discovered something new? Or have you ever heard a well-known story and found one new nugget of truth that sticks out to you? That is God speaking to you through his word, friend. Those are moments to jot down, to reflect on, and to cherish. Secondly, God speaks through prayer. God speaks through prayer. In Matthew 10, 20, Jesus says, And I put this in your notes, for it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Oh, think about that for a moment, friend. It is the spirit of your father, your heavenly father who speaks in you. Oh, so sweet. Romans 8 verses 26 and 27 say, and in the same way, the spirit, the Holy Spirit also helps our weakness for we know not how we, excuse me, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who, ser- and he search, excuse me, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I get so excited, friend. I stumble over my words, but please read it again and hear what it's saying. The Spirit is interceding for us. He is speaking to us and for us. 
Prayer is your time to communicate with God, to tell Him what's on your mind. It's your chance to hear the faint voice of the Holy Spirit within your heart. It's your chance to communicate with God. Prayer is your own intimate, confidential, emotional time to spend with God. It's truly precious. What a gift. Thirdly, God speaks through others. God speaks through others. Sometimes, friend, it's a preacher or a teacher or a parent or even a friend. God uses all types of people to share his love and his direction for your life. It can be in the quiet of a sermon, something noted in a book, a podcast, or a discussion. It's those aha moments, and they're meant for you, friend. You should cherish them. There is no easy answer for hearing God's voice in the chaos of life. I wish there was. It's challenging. It's difficult. But, oh, it's so worth it. And as we conclude this study, I hope that you have found at least one new nugget of truth, one new thought, or one new perspective on a story, perhaps even in each chapter. Maybe God is speaking to your heart right now. And if you feel the flutter in your stomach, the tightness in your throat, or the hair standing up alert on your arms, then God is speaking to you right now. And I pray that you'll take the time to reflect on it, to pray over it, to read God's word, so that you can discern his intent for your life. You are loved. Friend, you are loved. You are cherished. You, my friend are a chosen child of God. And I'm praying for you right now. Won't you join me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, our hearts and our minds open to hearing your voice. We know that Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. In hearing through the word of Christ, Lord, we thank you for your word for the scripture, for the opportunity to sit in these stories and hear your voice speaking to us. Lord, I ask that you be with every person listening right now, that they come humbly before the throne, that they leave it all at at your feet, they turn it all over to you, that they seek forgiveness where needed, that they repent where needed, that they claim victory in Jesus, Lord. And that their relationship with you is renewed and restored. So excited to share the good news with others, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your son who you sent to die on the cross for my sin. For those listening, their sins. Thank you, Lord. It's in precious Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. 